All right, well, I am glad we can be together this morning. We're continuing our walk through the Sermon on the Mount, which we are calling Jesus' Donkey Kingdom Manifesto. We are really close uh, to wrapping this one up, guys. So if you're tired of hearing me say the word manifesto, you don't have too much longer uh, for that. So Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, which fulfilled a prophecy uh, about the coming king for the Jewish people. Uh, So it was a symbol of his kingship. Uh, But it was also a symbol of the kind of kingdom he was bringing. He wasn't bringing a kingdom of war horses. He was bringing a kingdom of donkeys, right? The the prophecy that he fulfilled in doing this said that he came to, uh, he comes in righteousness, victory, and lowliness. That's our donkey Messiah, and we are his donkey kingdom citizens. Uh, And the Sermon on the Mount acts as his manifesto that tells us how we're supposed to live in that kingdom. Uh, so uh, in, in getting into our, what we're kind of learning about the, the kingdom and how things work for us uh, here, I wanted to share with you about a, an apartment that uh, my family and I lived in probably 10 or so years ago now. Uh, Bradley was just born. One of our good friends owned uh, this house, and we rented the upstairs apartment from them. And in the backyard of this house, there was a fully mature fig tree. And uh, I don't know if any of you ever ever had fresh figs uh, picked straight from the tree, but they're honestly one of the best fruits uh, I have ever had. Fig Newtons are not the same. They're not even they're not even close. Um, even the ones in the grocery store can be you know hit or miss. But these were incredible. Uh, my friend would go out and he would pick literally hundreds of figs every day from this tree when it was at its peak. And we'd be getting these big grocery bags full of figs every couple of days. It was fantastic. Uh, So now I now have this experience with figs and fig trees. Uh, But I'll tell you what, before that apartment, I don't think I'd ever seen a fig in real life before. Let alone knew what a fig tree looked like. I could not have picked out a fig in a lineup of fruit. Right? Which it's a weird sentence to say, but here we are. Today we are talking about horticultural identification. We'll get there. So let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 17, which, if you're using the Bibles here in the church, are on page 640. Uh, and, uh, or just a few clicks away on the Bible app on your phone. I use version just... For anyone who's asking for a rec, I just use version, the Bible app, uh, on my phone using the NIV translation. Uh, so Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is still giving his donkey kingdom manifesto, and in verse 15, he continues his teaching, and he says this, Matthew 7 verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. He's talking about sheep and wolves. The phrase wolf, wolf, wolf in sheep's clothing uh, had actually been around for a little while by the time Jesus used it here. And he's using it uh, to help describe false teachers. Then verse 16. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, 
you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Yikes. Now, the main idea here is that we will know the true followers of Jesus and the the true uh, teachers by their actions and their words, by their fruit. Right, for instance, how did I know that the tree in the backyard of my apartment uh, was an honest-to-goodness fig tree? Because it grew figs. Right? Every year, the leaves grew green, the buds started, and off we went into fig season. We know a tree by its fruit. Likewise, with people, we should be able to tell who they really are by the fruit that their lives produce. And there are different kinds of fruit that we can produce, right? Some good, some not so good. Uh, The Bible actually lists a bunch of fruit that we should not be producing. Okay, it's uh, quite a list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, lust, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, theft, false testimony, slander, etc., Basically, the anti-Jesus stuff. But the Bible also lists some good things. There's some good things. Probably the most popular list is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, which actually calls the list the fruit of the Spirit. These are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But then there's more that we find elsewhere in Scripture, too. Things like humility, service, self-denial, good standing and reputation with your neighbors, uh, and more. Neither of these lists is exhaustive, but they kind of point you in the direction you need to be going. One list looks like Jesus, the other really doesn't. But essentially, Jesus is the measuring stick, right? He's the standard. If it looks like Jesus, the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels, if it sounds like him, loves like him, cares like him, serves like him, then we're probably on the right track. And look, we don't have to try to produce certain kinds of fruit. I've talked about this before. We don't have to work really hard to produce fruit certain kinds of fruit. The fruit that we produce comes naturally from the kind of tree that we are. And this can either be really good news or really bad news, depending on the kind of fruit we're seeing from our lives. I used to find myself consistently losing my temper, getting angry to the point that I couldn't control myself. Now, I didn't try to get to uncontrollable anger. It came naturally to me. Can I say I'm gifted? (laughs) Now I could have said, that's the way God made me. Love me or leave me. Right? But that's the coward's way out. It shirks responsibility and accountability and allows me to be lazy and stay the way I am. Continuing to cause harm. The truth was, my tree had some rot in it. 
and it was affecting the fruit that I was bearing. The fruit of the Spirit naturally grows, but it, but it also doesn't grow by focusing just on the fruit itself. It grows naturally by focusing on the health of the tree. Right? If the tree is good, the fruit will be good. We should pursue Jesus, being more like him, being with him, pursuing him in scripture, pursuing him in prayer, in meditation, in silent listening. The fruit comes naturally from there. Now, there's nothing wrong with pursuing good fruit itself. It just can't be our sole goal. All right, let me make a, another fruit analogy here. Take the banana, right? Bananas don't last long, right? They're like avocados. <laughs> Those are terrible, really hard to find a good avocado when it's ready to go. But bananas, we might have a beautiful one, a perfect one, right? The shape, the smell, the taste is perfect, beautiful yellow, but it doesn't last. It's probably done by the next day when you're looking to make banana bread with it. Likewise, we might have a beautiful piece of patience fruit, we might have a beautiful moment of patience with our kids or our spouse or our crazy boss today or during a particular interaction, but what about tomorrow? See, an individual fruit is great, but it doesn't last. You need the tree to continually produce the good fruit. We need to consistently stay plugged into our source of Jesus' fruit, Jesus. This way, our lives are continually shaped by him, and we are continually formed day in and day out. And then the fruit is easier to produce as that happens. So if we want to know the Jesus trees, we need to look for the Jesus fruit. That will help us to be more discerning about ourselves, but also about others who claim to be telling the truth of Scripture but are really showing different fruit. Now, having said all of that, I have read these verses countless times. I can't tell you how many times I've read through these verses over the years. But for some reason, it wasn't until I was reading them and preparing for today that I got a little confused about something. So here's what I mean. In the first section, we seem to be told that the fruit will out. Right? Basically, we will know the true prophets, the teachers, by their actions, by their words. The witness of their lives will tell you if they are true or false teachers. But then in the second section, it seems to say, hey, there are going to be some people that are doing some pretty good works in the name of Jesus, but watch out for them because they may not be legit. So, so can we tell true disciples by their actions or not, Jesus? Which is it? Well, as we were just saying, yes, we can know true followers of Jesus by the fruit that their lives produce. Are they, are they loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled, humble, serving, all of those things? But as we reflect on the second set of verses, we see that sometimes it won't be all that simple to determine, will it? And, and this is where discernment comes into play. Wisdom. 
Unfortunately, there have been and will continue to be people who claim to be followers of Jesus, who are, who are in fact producing all kinds of quote-unquote good fruit, things like big churches, even sound counseling advice. They're doing good works, and they straight up blow it. Right? There have been countless church leaders just in the last 20 years who did bad things. Right? Moral failings, falls from grace. Now, were they doing good things too? Yeah. Yeah, they were. In a lot of cases, there was tremendous good happening. Uh, great books that were being written. People coming to know Christ. Marriages being reconciled. All kinds of good. But there were signs that, guess what? They were humans too. They had failings, as we all do. Now, God made good come from those ministries because he's a redeeming God, and that's what he does. He worked in spite of them, as he oftentimes works in spite of me. This process of discernment, knowing who the true Jesus trees are and are not, can seem daunting. Right? Like, if the imposters, the false teachers and false followers are so good at hiding, how are we supposed to know? Well, yeah, it can be hard to tell. And honestly, even the most discerning of us can be deceived sometimes. But before we get too discouraged, yes, there are bad examples. Those who claim Christ and yet produce the kind of fruit that would stick up the kitchen trash, right? But there are also Christians who smell beautifully, who produce fruit so like Jesus that you can taste it. People like C.S. Lewis, Eugene Peterson, Fred Rogers, Bud and Margie Chase, Paul Curtis, Jim Stombaugh, Bill Malik, Jim and Nancy French, and countless others. Those who are faithful, kind, discerning, balanced, controlled, and all of the fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to notice something. Most of the people you won't hear about. Most of those people who are producing good fruit. Some you will, right? Of course, a God might grant them a platform like C.S. Lewis or Fred Rogers. But those who are really producing the fruit of the Spirit often won't have a platform. Most of the people that I mentioned just now are just faithful servants of, genius, uh, of Jesus from the various churches that I've been a part of throughout my life who have been quietly living in dedicated faith to Jesus in their day-to-day -day lives. And then look at the claims of those in our second section of verses here. Verse 22 Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Those are some pretty big flashy things. Right? Miracles, driving out demons. And yes, God still does those things today through his people. But compare that short list to the list of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit aren't big flashy things. Kindness, self-control, 
Who gets a TV show based on self-control? Peace, humility, good reputation with those not in the church. Now we're starting to be able to discern some of the fruit here a little bit. Now, if someone does some of those big flashy things, it doesn't, it doesn't mean in and of itself that they're an imposter, okay? Straight up. But look at the fruit of the rest of their lives, too. Right? Having a spotlight in itself isn't wrong. God might give a person that. But seeking the spotlight and constantly trying to stay in it is the fruit of the narcissist, not the donkey kingdom citizen. So... We know that if we want to know the Jesus trees, we need to look for the Jesus fruit. We're starting to see a little bit about what the fruit looks like. But how can you grow in the kind of discernment that can help you know whether the fruit is good or bad in others, or perhaps more importantly, in yourself? Well, let's look at the example of the fruit again, right? Most of us have had apples before, I assume, most of us have had apples. Most of us have had so many apples over the course of our lifetimes. We, we can't count. We have no idea. Um, but we know what they're supposed to taste and feel and smell like. When an apple goes bad, we know it. Right? Even if we get one that looks good on the outside, we take one bite of it. We can often tell right away if it's, not, if it's good or not. Right? Is it mealy or gross? You know, too soft, browning in the middle. You know. And we didn't work our whole lives perfecting the art of knowing a good apple. That wasn't our focus. It was our simple, everyday experience over time with them that brought that, ex that knowledge, that discernment. And it's the same with us. As we gain simple, everyday, over-time experience with Jesus and his word, we start to get a sense of what's like Jesus and what's not. You begin to develop a sense about the fruit of people's lives. People can pass or fail a smell test. <laughs> and why is this kind of discernment important? Well, it's not so that we can pass judgment on people about the true status of their hearts or their standing before God. Okay? That's not up to us. We don't make that call. The point is to be discerning about ourselves so that we can see where we need to grow and change and about others so that we can see who we should allow to influence us. Who are we going to listen to? And look, this discernment is available to anyone, right? Yes, you, you can come to me and ask me about different sources and see if they're in alignment with Scripture, and, and I'm happy to have those conversations. I really am. But there's nothing special about me, right? Yes, God has called me to this particular uh, position and this place. I take that very seriously. But there are no resources that are open to me that aren't open to all of us. Right? No books that I've read that you can't read. Things like that. We all have all that we need to grow in spiritual discernment. And use this discernment with me. Right? Keep me accountable. Do I look like a fruit of Jesus? Again, a weird sentence. There's a bunch of weird sentences in here. 
you get the idea? Hold me up to the scrutiny of Scripture. Right, many of you know uh, Russ Rickert. Uh, he's on our leadership team. Many of you also know he's an engineer at Boeing. And he, uh, Russ brings that meticulous, detail-oriented engineer personality to the leadership team. And we are all very thankful for that because some of us aren't wired that way. So we really appreciate having somebody so detail-oriented. Well, apparently, Russ takes notes during my sermons. I don't know if he does it for every sermon, but if he has a question about uh, something that I've said or he needs further clarification or something, guess what he does? He calls his life group and complains about me. I'm kidding. That is not what he does. That is not what he does. He calls me. He reaches out to me. And we get together and we talk about it. Russ cares not only about the fruit I am producing, but about the fruit that this church is producing, which starts with me. He's loving, kind, gracious, never accusatory, and respectful during our conversations. He's doing what Jesus instructed us and what we talked about a few weeks ago in treating others the way we would want to be treated. Right? And that's good fruit. And listen, one more kind of big point here that the message of Jesus here in this passage is about discernment. It's about discerning the fruit of ourselves and others so that we can keep ourselves better aligned with our donkey Messiah. But we also have to recognize that neither we nor anyone else who has ever lived will do it perfectly. We'll have perfect fruit all the time. I am trying to live as a Jesus tree, but I'm going to mess up. I have. So will you. Let's not forget why Jesus came in the first place. Right? To live the perfect life we couldn't live. And remember one of our earlier messages from early on in this series. Jesus lived our perfect obedience for us. Thank you, God. <laughs> So as we grow in this discernment of ourselves and others, never forget the place of grace. And if you have or are struggling with a particular rotten fruit in your life, and you have gone to scripture over and over again, you've prayed and prayed and it's still a sin that you can't shake. It's rotten fruit that is growing on you over and over and over again. I want to say three things. First, be encouraged. What? <laughs> yeah, be encouraged. Because the fact that you know and can see this bad fruit means that you have grown in discernment enough to the point that you can recognize the bad fruit from the good. So be encouraged in that. Two, just because you sin or sometimes produce rotten fruit doesn't mean that you aren't a follower of Jesus. When we put our faith in him, we are changed to Jesus' trees. Right? Our identity changes, but our habits, our natures, things like that need time to change. And so then the rotten fruit that comes after our decision to follow Jesus, that stuff is then foreign to the new tree that we have become. The new life that we have. It doesn't belong. 
It's stuff that we, so it's stuff that we should try to change in our lives. So we should work on that. Work on the health of our tree. But it doesn't mean that we aren't saved. And then thirdly, for me, in my own uh, recovery journey and journey with sin, when it comes to recurring sins that you can't shake, it not only takes going to scripture and recognizing the fruit, but it also takes getting honest with myself and with other people and taking action to deal with those things. That's what really helped to get a lot of the rot out of my life. But again, never forget the place of grace. So I'm starting to go a little long, so I want to wrap it up here. Ultimately, to know the Jesus trees, look for the Jesus fruit. If someone is claiming to be a donkey kingdom citizen, do they look like the person that they claim is their king, our donkey Messiah, Jesus? And don't forget to look at the fruit of your life, too. And developing this kind of discernment, it's not rocket science. Right? It's spending time with Jesus, getting to know his voice, his desires, who he is. And when we do that, the wisdom to discern the fruit of others will come, and the fruit of the Spirit in ourselves will come, before we even know it. What is one thing that you can do tomorrow to help you grow just a little bit in knowing Jesus? Can you set aside some time to read a little bit of the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start there. Learn about Jesus. Can you spend time reading from, uh, uh, reading from someone maybe who has shown incredible Christ-likeness in their lives? Again, I really recommend uh, C.S. Lewis, Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is the uh, guy who, who did the, the message translation. Um, brilliant man, incredible pastor as well. Just passed away last year or something. Maybe spend 15 minutes in quietness with God. What is one thing that you can do tomorrow to grow in discernment? To know Jesus. Let's go to God.